Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you very much for your word. Thank you for all it tells us about you, about us, and about how to put that relationship right. May we learn from it today. In your name, amen. Um, There are some people that you desperately want to steer clear of and hide from. Uh, Folk like the school bully, or your enemies, or anybody who's walking out of an infectious diseases department at your local hospital. Um, However, there are people that you definitely don't want to hide from. You don't want to hide from your bezzy mate. You don't want to hide from somebody who you are falling in love with. You don't want to hide from people who are giving away free money or free food. And you definitely don't want to hide from a big, good God who loves you very much. You definitely don't want to hide from a big, good God who loves you very much. And yet... That's what human beings have been doing right from the word go. If you know your Bible well and you know all about Adam and Eve, you'll realise that in chapter 3, we're told that Adam and Eve, the first people ever, were hiding. 
They hid, verse 8 tells us, from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. And today in the book of Jonah, we've already begun to see how people hide from God in very different ways. Uh, Jonah and the big fish is a favourite, as Pete was saying, of uh, Sunday schools and children's picture Bibles. Um, and yet, this book is something, has something in it that can teach every single one of us. It's not just a book for children. You might think that because a chap ends up being swallowed by a big fish and living there for three days, that this is just a fairy tale. Well, later on in our service, we're going to find that Jesus speaks of Jonah and this miracle, he calls it. A miracle that, as we shall see, points to an even bigger miracle. If Jesus thinks it's true, well, that's good enough for me too. So, whether you are young, whether you are average age, whether you are old, whether you consider yourself ancient, because nobody else is allowed to consider yourself ancient, um, whoever you are, we can learn from the book of Jonah. And it's going to show us something really Quite exciting, I think. Um, I'm going to put it up here so that you can see it before we start, so you know where we're going. It's going to show us that you can't hide from a big, good God. You can't hide from a big, good God. And we've seen Nigel, Simon, and Jonah all hiding in very different ways. So I thought, if we had a look at these characters and had to think about their situations, then maybe it might help us too. So first of all, Nigel the Ninevite. Now, chapter 1 doesn't tell us a whole load about Nigel other than that he's wicked. Nigel is wicked. And as we carry on in the book of Jonah, we find that Nigel doesn't want anything to do with a big, good God. He might not have thought about it very much, but Nigel has decided to ignore God because he wants to do things his own way. Nigel's view of God is way, way, way too small. He thinks that God can't see what's going on, but it's a non-starter. You know, not bothering about God uh, is like putting a blanket over your head and standing there hoping that God won't see the bump. You cannot hide from a big God. Uh, Verse 2 of our uh, chapter 1 of Jonah says, Nineveh's wickedness has come before me, God says. Nineveh's wickedness has come before me. God knows all about Nigel. He sees everything that's going on in Nineveh and everywhere else in his universe, in fact. It doesn't matter where Nigel hides. It doesn't matter how he turns his back, whether he tries to hide under a blanket or whatever. God sees it all. What does Nigel need to do? He needs to come to his senses and realise that you can't hide from a big, good God. Which brings us to Simon the sailor. They look very similar, these chaps. I don't quite know why. Now, Simon is your practical, resourceful, superstitious type. Did you notice um, he'll try anything to save himself? Verse five. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. Fingers crossed, horoscopes read. Simon is the sort of person who only prays before his exams or when something tough happens in his life. His view of God is way, way, way too small. And so he tries to do everything for himself. You might have seen it as you've read the the passage. In chapter, verse five, he throws all the things overboard to try and save himself. Um, He uh, rows really hard with his mates in verse 13 to try and save himself. Simon is trying to hide from God behind his superstition and his self-sufficiency, but he can't. It's a non-starter. The big, good God of the Bible is totally in control. And the power that Simon thinks that he's got is just a smoke screen. 
God can break into Simon's life at any moment, like he does with the storm in verse four. Like he does with the game of chance that they play, you know, those 10 sticks draw lots uh, in verse seven. What does Simon need to do? Well, he needs to come to his senses and realize that you can't hide from a big, good God. Now, it might seem that um, Nigel and Simon are the baddies in this story, but do you know what? It's Jonah who takes the biscuit, I think. Uh, Think about it. Jonah, God God had spoken to Jonah. We read that in verse 2. Not only that, but as you read the whole book of Jonah, you realize that Jonah knows exactly what God is like. He knows exactly what he's like. And yet his view of God is still way, way too small. He knows that God is a big, good God who loves and wants to forgive Nigel and the Ninevites. But Jonah doesn't like that, and so he runs. Uh, and look how low he gets. Verse 3, he, uh, he goes down to Joppa, uh, the port that's going to send him off to Tarshish. Um, it's interesting to spot all these downs, actually. Down to Joppa. And, and then he goes uh, down into the bowels of the ship for a sleep. And then he goes down into a deep sleep. And then he goes down into the sea as they throw him overboard in verse 15. And then he goes down into the whale. And as you read chapter 2, it's as though he's gone down into death itself. How low can you get? Down, 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 down. Not much lower than Jonah gets. It's not just the wicked folk who hide from a big God. It's not just the superstitious practical types who ignore God. People who know God really well can be just as stubborn and defiant. In verse 9, um, just have a look at it. Jonah sort of states what he believes. He says, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And yet he runs. And he runs to the sea. Uh, the, the sea that God made. How ironic. He can't hide from God. It's a non-starter again. God never goes away. God never changes. God sends a storm. God fixes a lot. He is totally and utterly in control every single second of every single day. What does Jonah need to do? He needs to come to his senses and realize that you can't hide from a big, good God. Neither Nigel, nor Simon, nor Jonah can hide from God. And if they can't, neither can we. We can't hide from God. And yet so often we do. You remember that uh, uh, child's game that um, Pete was talking about at the beginning? You know, we, we're, like, we're like that as well. We sort of put our hands over our eyes and turn our backs and we hope that God can't see us. Well, come to your senses. You can't hide from a big, good God. And why would you want to? Why would you want to? Because over and over again in the Bible, we see how good God is. How he loves people so much that he reaches out to them even though they're trying to hide from him. And the book of Jonah shows us this. For our friends, uh, Nigel and Simon and Jonah, it takes a major crisis for them to begin to see how good God is. And that's often the way it works actually, isn't it? I don't know whether you've realised that. Sometimes in the toughest times of life, we begin to see how good God is. Uh, Maybe some of you are facing struggles at the moment. You know, not looking forward to going back to school. Um, Difficulty with health problems. Concerns about our world. Um, Well, instead of sort of looking up and going, God, why are you doing this? Maybe it'd be a good idea to just take a step back and say, God, why are you saying this? 
Because it's in tough times, in crises, that God often tells us some really important stuff, shows us some really important stuff. So, Nigel and his mates, they think that God can't see, but he can. And he reaches out to them, even in their wickedness. Why does he do it? Well, he does it because he loves them. In chapter 3, Jonah eventually ends up in Nineveh. And he tells them about God, quite bluntly actually. um, And they listen. They hear and they turn and they stop being wicked. Uh, Simon the sailor and his buddies, uh, they may think that God isn't in control. But through the storm, he shows them a little bit of his good rule. Because he loves them. Uh, Did you notice how uh, Simon goes from praying to his own gods and trying to save himself to, in verses 14 to 16, doing business with the Lord? It's there a number of times in verses 14 to 16. He does business with the one true God. And when it comes to Jonah, well, just look at what happens in verse 17, the very last verse. And now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Angry that God could love such wicked people as Nigel, Jonah is still running away even as they throw him overboard and so God provides a big fish. It's not a punishment. If this fish hadn't turned up, Jonah would have drowned. This isn't a punishment, it's a rescue. And it's a rescue because God loves Jonah And it's a rescue that is a shadow of an even bigger rescue to come. Do you remember I said that Jesus talked about Jonah? Well, here's what he says in Matthew chapter 12. As for Jonah, uh, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man, that's his name for himself, Jesus, will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jonah is sent by God, this big good God, to the Ninevites, but he messes up. And uh, he spends three days in a fish. Uh, And eventually God almost sort of pushes him and forces him to go and tell uh, the Ninevites of God's rescue. Uh, Although I'm not sure about his motives even then if you read the rest of the book. Jesus, though, is sent by a big good God to rescue not just Nineveh, but absolutely everybody. And he doesn't mess up. In fact, he nails it. He literally nails it as he dies on the cross And three days later, just like Jonah comes back from the fish, he comes back to life to prove that death and sin and the devil have all been beaten. Jesus died to take the punishment for all the ways all of us try and hide from a big, good God. He is a big, good God. I'll just put this bit up as well. Who longs to rescue We must never forget that. A big, good God who loves us enough and longs to rescue. So, almost finished. What about you? Does the guilt of Nigel-like wickedness linger on in your brain? Do you sort of go to bed at night and sort of be thinking, oh no, you know, God, he could could never want to know me, not what I'm like. He, He would never want to rescue me. He'd never want to save me. Do you think to yourself, look, I'm so bad, I might as well just carry on in my wickedness because I'm a lost cause. Well, you couldn't be more wrong. Come to your senses. Uh, You can't hide from a big, good God who longs to rescue. Or or maybe you are like uh, Simon. Um, You hang on to hopes like he does, things that haven't been proven. Do you think to yourself, you know what? I think 
I think people who are good enough go to heaven. Um, do you think to yourself, well, disaster's never going to come on me. And you know, if it does, I'll cope. I've got good friends, great family. I'm, I'm quite resourceful myself. I've got lots of money. I'll be able to just throw some of that at it. You can manage without God. Well, if you think like that, you couldn't be more wrong. Come to your senses and realize you can't hide from a big, good God who longs to rescue. And each time I say to myself, I know better than God, and I don't listen to the things that he says to me, and I think to myself, you know, I can't be bothered to go and warn my friends about uh, what's going on and tell them about Jesus. Or, or I think that particular friend, he's, he's just a little bit too far gone. He's too wicked. God will never have him. Or I miss a good news opportunity. Well, I've become just like Jonah. And I need to come to my senses and realize that I can't hide from a big, good God who longs to rescue. You know, hide and seek is a great game for kids to play, isn't it? But it's never a game you want to play with a big, good God who loves you and longs to rescue. Uh, Maybe this morning you've begun to be challenged a little about how you are possibly hiding from God still. Well, if that's the case, why don't you take the opportunity of communion later on to say sorry to God? And to uh, just say you want to come back to him. You want that rescue. Because the only way in which God restores that relationship, that friendship that we have with him, is through Jesus. And that's what we're remembering at communion after all. First though, we are going to sing. And uh, uh, as I was doing this whole Jonah uh, bit, it reminded me of Psalm 139. And halfway through Psalm 139, there are a couple of questions asked. It goes like this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Well, the answer is nowhere. Nowhere. Because God is always with us. Let's not hide from him. Let's turn and face him and ask him to rescue us. Shall we sing?